This podcast is sponsored by Speaker Rocks Media, where we hand-build podcasts just like this one to create online communities for brands like yours. If you'd like to learn more, head over to speakerboxmedia.com. During this time especially, I've learned to just take a step back and ask why. Why are you doing this? Do you have to do it? What's the purpose of it? And so with so many unknowns, being mindful of every decision you make, especially now, makes for a happier workplace and avoids burnout. Welcome to the B2B Growth Hacks podcast, the show that helps entrepreneurs like you unlock opportunities for growth in business. I'm your host, Sarah Smith, and this is B2B Growth Hacks, a podcast powered by Speakerbox Media. Hey there, welcome back to B2B Growth Hacks. We are still in our Resilient Series and I am so excited for our guest today. Today I have quite a treat for you. Today I'm talking to Christy Post, who is a Senior Marketing Strategist at Studio X and an adjunct professor at Arizona State University. And we are gonna dive right in talking all about business and marketing resilience today. Um, But first, welcome Christy, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me, I'm excited about this. Yes. So let's dive right in. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself. You have a quite a cool role and I want them to hear all about what you do. Yeah, it's quite a complex story, but I am right now the senior marketing strategist for Studio X. And what we are is a global innovation studio powered by Shell that launches products to reimagine the future of work and energy exploration. So we have a lot of communities and they use our products for software tools, prize winning competitions, a startup incubator, on demand work, and so many more for energy innovators. It's really cool what we're doing. And I'm responsible for developing and executing an integrated marketing strategy for the company. But as you said, on the side, I am an adjunct professor at Arizona State University's Walter Cronkite School in its digital audiences program. And so prior to this, you know, I've started growing startups from the ground up. I've worked for an artificial intelligence software company. I've worked for a digital media company. And it's really fast paced. And I love the growth aspect of that. But I'm really loving innovation. I've done innovation strategies for Fortune 500 companies. But I originally got my start in broadcast journalism. So kind of what we're doing here. Yeah, I've done that show before. I've attracted audiences. I've created new storytelling techniques for companies. Companies like EW Scripps, Sinclair, Cox Media, and the NBA, where I interviewed stars like LeBron James. So fun. Yeah. You have quite a level of experience. And just with the different topics that you mentioned, there's so much packed in there in relation to resilience. But I just want to start off, I think where we're all at in the business landscape is in this place of uncertainty. There is constant change happening. And then I feel like we're trying to adapt, yet there's still change happening. So in this changing la- landscape, how do companies adapt in, in in just the uncertainty of it all? What are some things that we should be thinking about and doing? Yeah, I mean, changes happened for me today with events and the new COVID variants. So I think it comes down to mindset. There's a couple different mindsets that a lot of people talk about. One is a growth mindset. One is a fixed mindset. So the growth mindset is exactly what it is. Uh, You're thriving on challenges. You're seeing failures as opportunities. You're growing. And so if you come into work every day, especially as a marketer, with that mindset, 
you are going to take on anything. And with this uncertainty, you're going to see it as an opportunity to start something new and really pivot. Brands really need to be willing to take these informed risks and make those necessary changes in this time to thrive. And, you know, there's going to be challenges every single day, like I had today, like events got canceled. But if you have that mindset where, okay, now we're going to do something really fun, reach a global audience and bring it all online so everyone can participate, that's really going to make you more successful in the end. Right, right. So a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And then I think, you know, as as you're navigating these changes, everybody's reacting to them different. Everybody's dealing with different physical struggles, mental struggles, I, I think educational challenges as well. And it, it's really caused us to rely on one another in a different way, yet we don't have the same level of interaction. And so in orgs, I think they're really challenged during this time to figure out how to create community in their orgs in a distance way. How have you guys experienced that over at Studio X or you know, with your students in college? How's that going? Yeah, absolutely. So right now in marketing, you have to do more with less. You probably know right now as you're building your company. And so you have to build a culture around unity and also around your core values as a company. And so involving all the departments, especially in an innovation company, is really key and more important than ever. So for example, like StudiX right now, we just got started. Uh, We formed the company in 2020. Before that, you know, they were in beta mode trying to figure out what the company is going to be. But now we need to create a domain authority, which is um, an SEO strategy. And so being online for the first time, Google doesn't know who you are. They don't know you're a trusted source. And so they really need to start ranking you based on your authority in a specific subject area. So my goal right now is to increase our domain authority because the higher your website score is, the stronger and more authoritative you will be online in Google's eyes and different search engines um, like Yahoo and Bing. And so that takes effort from each department. You don't think about it, but behind the engine of a website is so many things like uh, the page loading that takes engineers. You have to have your page load faster and that factors into all of your domain authority and your SEO. You need to have subject matter experts. And that's in our case, geologists and data scientists who I need to give me information that is relevant to our audience who speak the same language. I'm a marketer. You know, I don't speak that language, but I'm definitely learning. And so fostering that culture of unity is key in many aspects uh, when you're making those strategic marketing decisions. And it involves every department. And I think that's a great point. It's really relying on every different department and the expertise that lies within that department and coming together under one culture, one goal, one mission that really pushes us forward and propels us. Um, You brought up a good point that I'd love to kind of touch more on, and that's just the overall marketing strategy. With everything going online, you all of a sudden see companies making these huge pivots, and we have experienced that in the podcast industry too. Tell me a little bit about how you see marketing evolving during this time and how you guys are combating it over at Studio X. So as humans, we've changed from this browse culture to this search culture. So we used to look at everything, you know, and try and figure out what the answer for ourselves. But now you can just go on Google, type in your question, and an answer pops up immediately. So the audience is really infinite online. And knowing your customer is really key 
to understanding what they're searching for and how you're going to bring the answer to them based on your product or your service. And so technology is layered on top of that, right? And so marketing is evolving as technology evolves. There's this theory that I teach for my students and let them know about. It's called technological determinism. And it assumes that a society's technology determines the development of its social structure and cultural values. So people determine how technology is used. There's a good example. In the 1880s, some people complained that the print newspaper was eroding the fabric of society because people were really talking to each other uh, normally. And now they brought in this print newspaper and oh my gosh, no one is talking to each other. We do it now, right, on our phones all the time. But really, the travelers decided they wanted to use this technology, this type of different medium in a different way. And so they started reading it. And and that's how they wanted that to be used. So if you think about how technology is kind of like a hammer, it's a tool, and we're using that tool to do different things, well, our customer is using that tool to do different things to find answers to their questions. And so marketing has to evolve as they evolve and want to adopt these products or services. So uh, that's a very uh, complicated example, but an interesting way to just think about your customer and how you need to meet their needs, layering technology on top of it. Yeah, for sure. And to your point, I think companies more than ever now have had to become social. They've had to become social online because this is how people, their customer interacts now. We now care, uh, Gen Z, millennials, we care now about what you stand for as a company. Our first interaction with you is usually not in a store. It's online. It's the funny comments that Starbucks replies to sometimes. Um, It's the funny memes that you post as a brand. And so I think brands really have an opportunity to evolve and leverage social social media if they can really pinpoint a personality as a brand and use that to connect with their their customer. What are your thoughts on that? There's different aspects to it. There's the cultural aspects like you're talking about. There's the social aspects. There's political aspects. There's privacy implications. There's so much to social media. But one of my friends in grad school, she said that social media is cyclical. And a lot of brands, I think, get scared to go on different social media channels. But if you think of it that way where you're saying Twitter, it was inspired by a text message. You know, it is just like a text and you can just text back and forth with your customer and use that as a customer service tool. Or Clubhouse just came up, but it's the same as what we're doing now, a podcast. It was inspired by radio. So all of it is the same. It's just shown a different way and and made new again. That's marketing, right? You got to make something new again and cool again. So I think if you use the platforms to connect with groups who share similar interests and values as you, you're going to connect better with them versus trying to throw spaghetti at the wall. You need to throw darts. And I I really, you know, don't understand why a lot of people are on every single channel because if your customer is not on it, you're just spinning your wheels and making more work for yourself in the end. So if you want to be 
on LinkedIn, you know, you need to have more industry news, or you're trying to reach like a well-educated audience. YouTube, you're trying to build that SEO, you're creating educational videos that answer the questions your customers are asking. I would just leave you with one thing that I teach my students is the 80-20 rule. So 80% of your posts in social media should be more educational. They should entertain your audience. The memes um, is fun. They should inform them and they should engage with them. And then 20% can be that brand awareness and promotion of your brand. So if you think of it that way, then you can connect better on social, um, especially with those audiences who are there, like Gen Z especially. Yeah, absolutely. They value they value you providing them value first before they ever want to spend a dollar with you. So I love the fact, like you said, if you can look at social media as an opportunity at the tip of your fingers, because that's really what it is to reach tons of people in your niche audience or that are interested in your brand, uh, you really have some some great power. And and that that's before you even get into ad spend and all of these these great things. There's such, so many great organic ways to mm-hmm. build an audience and to build your brand online and in turn build your SEO and your your authority. So I'm going you mentioned that you teach another class um, at the college and I wanted to kind of dive into that a little bit and that's about audience acquisition. Tell me a little bit about that course and kind of what you're teaching your students. Yeah, so we teach acquisition strategies like SEM, SEO, things that we talked about today, also engagement strategies where you're really understanding the human psychology behind engagement and really performing the social listening that you should be doing about your brand and understanding, you know, online audiences and being able to A-B test to do some trial and error. And so what they do is they they learn about PPC campaigns. They learn about SEO. Uh, they're using tools like SpyFu to do competitive analysis. And so it really opens the world to how do you draw users into your funnel and how do you keep them going on that buyer journey through different activities and marketing tactics and strategies. Yeah, for sure. That's super, super important. And actually, I was talking to someone yesterday and they said something that was pretty profound. They said, it's really important to think about your buyer journey through how your customer actually wants to travel and interact with your product versus how you want them to interact with your product. And so I think some of the important things you mentioned here, like A-B testing, help reinforce that. Not our way as a brand of thinking about, about it, but how our customer is going to consume and how they desire to navigate through that journey. Being customer centric. Exactly. It's not about you. It's about the customer. Yeah, absolutely. So in your vast experience, you have done some pretty amazing stuff with startups. And hey, I'm not going to lie for a second. We are a total startup and we are in this very resilient kind of scrappy stage as a startup. You're currently working for an amazing startup. Tell me a little bit about the scrappy resilience of startups and kind of some of the key things that you go through as a startup. Yeah, so you know the startup world. So you're really in this race to improve your product while you're trying to find the fastest way to revenue because how do you stay afloat if you don't have revenue? So you have to be scrappy. And there's a few things that people can do to be able to implement some marketing activities and strategies with little to no cost. So when I go into a startup, the first thing I think about is a CRM. How are you going to attract your customers and how are you going to hold that data and be able to manage the relationships along the decision journey. And this data will inform you 
to figure out what you need to do and when you need to do it. And so having something like HubSpot, they're really good. They have a startup program where I think you get 90% off when you start in the first year and then your second year, the discount goes down and so on. A lot of companies look for those startup discounts because they are always there. Email marketing, that's a super easy way to reach your customer. MailChimp, you can just stand up a free MailChimp and start going. That's what I teach my students. And a blog, you need to have a way that that people can find you by searching for, you can provide the answers when they want them. And then it's important for you to have that social media interaction. But again, don't spread yourself too thin. Um, Start small. And then as your customers are on more platforms and you know more about your customer, then grow from there. And being an evangelist for your brand. When I'm out and about, I'm always living and breathing my personal brand. So you should have people do that for your company as well. So the CEO, he should be speaking at conferences, um, at virtual events, and being on social media, evangelizing what you all are doing, what product you're selling. And those are just some easy, low-cost ways to get the word out that, hey, you're in town and you have a service and um, you are going to bring value to people. Yeah, for sure. Um, I love um, I love that you hit on cost here because as a startup, you're obviously running on limited funds. You have you're still doing a lot of testing and a lot of pivoting, um, and so these are quick, easy ways that you can really just get out there and um, continue to figure out your way. I think even that's probably the most surprising thing about a startup is I feel like coming in, you you have this idea of what you want to do. But it evolves and it changes. And if you're a good startup, it should because you're getting more information and you're pivoting and moving and innovating. That is the term of the day when it comes to a startup, innovation. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on innovation, what drives it, what's important to know about it. So I've been in a couple of companies where they've done innovation differently. So they've had a siloed R&D department or they've embedded it in their culture. So I really think the second option is the best option because everyone is thinking with that mindset. It goes back to that mindset, that growth mindset, being able to pivot, being able to change, being able to do things differently. And so I love the Google 20% rule. Have you heard of this? Have not. So Google allows employees to spend 20% of their time working on what they think will benefit the company. So they're embedding that innovation within everyone in their company. And this is allowing them to move faster and be more innovative. So there's a couple of ways that you can be innovative. You can think differently and have that 20% time of your day to do that. Or you can use different frameworks. So I'm a big advocate of design thinking, which is the human-centered approach to innovation, which is really understanding uh, the needs of people and discovering opportunities and experimenting to find that solution. Uh, There's also frameworks called the 10 types of innovation and different things. Um, I'll give you an example. In Chile, I worked for this company um, in grad school called AgroSuper. It was really cool to see how we could could use a week's time to come up with an innovative solution to their problem, which is how do we innovate in the production and processing of uh, different meat? And so it was a challenge, (laughs) but we came up with a really exciting solution and the company was just 
in awe. I can't really talk about what it was, but it was exciting. And I think it showed that you can do a lot in a short period of time if you just think differently and embed it in everything you do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, on top of I, I agree with you on the, the second type of innovation where it's embedded into your culture. It builds such a strong camaraderie with your team. Your wins are your wins and you take them together. Your losses are your losses and you get back up and pull each other up by the bootstraps and get back out there. So I love when innovation is encouraged and embedded. And I have to say at organizations that I've worked at prior and in our organization, that I feel like teams thrive in that environment where they're empowered to take risk, where they're empowered to be creative and to challenge traditional ways of thinking. And it results in one, a great company culture, but also great results for your customer because we all, uh, two heads are better than one. And I think that's still true and will always be true. So we've talked about so much today. You are a vast wealth of knowledge. So thank you so much for sharing um, just so much with our audience. If there's one thought you could leave regarding resilience and marketing in general, what would you like to leave our audience with? Yeah. uh, During this time, especially, I've learned to just take a step back and ask why. Why are you doing this? Do you have to do it? What's the purpose of it? And so with so many unknowns, especially with events, marketing and events and COVID do not mix. Uh, So being mindful of every decision you make, especially now, makes for a happier workplace and avoids burnout in the end. Because if you're spinning your wheels on all these events you're trying to do, but there's a lot of uncertainty, then you're doing a lot of work for nothing. So why are you doing it? And how can you improve on it? So it will be a beneficial strategy to ask why more in the end to just look at the bigger picture and then think about those tactics. Yeah, absolutely. Purpose, um, thoughtfulness and all of your decisions, especially now when everyone's just trying to figure it out, honestly. So Christy, tell our audience, where can they connect with you? Where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn uh, at Christy Post and then Twitter as well. Same. So find me, connect with me and I'm happy to talk to you. Yeah, I love that. You guys, that is a free invitation to ask your questions to an amazing professor and someone who has tons of experience in marketing. So please take her up on that. (laughs) Um, Lastly, you are part of an amazing organization out here in Austin. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so I volunteer as the co-president for the Austin American Marketing Association. But what's cool about this is it's a global organization with chapters all around the world. So you live in Houston right now, and they have a chapter there, an amazing chapter. And you can connect with your marketers in your local community. You can connect with them in different chapters in different communities. And then there's a lot of online resources. So if you have something you're wondering, they probably have the answer online and you can just download their guide or whatever they have there. And then uh, you can support the marketing practice through thought leadership. And that's what we're doing here. And I think that's so important to just share information with each other, especially now when there's so many questions on marketing strategies um, as it evolves and as uh, COVID, you know, the new variant. So every time I really connect with this community, I'm always learning something new. And if I could leave you with just one more piece of advice is to never stop learning. 
Love that. I definitely second that. The American Marketing Association is a wonderful org to get involved with and attached to. You can volunteer. You can attend networking events. They have the coolest happy hours. It is so fun. So you guys should definitely check that out. Christy, thank you so much for your time today and for talking through this and giving our audience such great advice and information. I appreciate you so much. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was fun. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to know how to get involved and share your story, head over to our website at b2bgrowthhacks.com. Also, while you're there, subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest conversations happening here on B2B Growth Hacks. This podcast is sponsored by Speaker Rocks Media where we hand-build podcasts just like this one to create online communities for brands like yours. If you'd like to learn more, head over to speakerboxmedia.com.